those, but only the Father. And that is an exclusive statement. That is an exclusive statement. That means only the Father. Only the Father. So it's very clear. So this is important because what Jesus is doing is he is answering He's answering them. The questions that they asked in the beginning. When will these things be? Talking about the destruction of Jerusalem that happened in 70 AD. What will be the sign of your coming? And the end of the age. And Jesus tells them, as we learned last week, I am the sign. When you see, that is the sign. When you see the Son of Man in the clouds, that, that is the sign. But now he goes on to elaborate, to teach us something that is, was spoken to them, but there's an application for us. Notice in verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now there's two parts to this, as the days of Noah. As you go on to read, you'll see that people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving to marriage. They were living their lives normally as nothing were wrong. But there's another part to this, and I'd like to ask you to go with me to Genesis chapter number 6. If we go to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, we're going to find out how the days of Noah, what were the days of Noah? Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent or imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. There are two words in this passage of Scripture that are of most importance. The two words in the Hebrew are wickedness and evil. Actually, they come from the same root word. One is a verb, one is an adjective. When he says the Lord saw that the wickedness, that is a verb, that is the action. They weren't just thinking and going along with wickedness. They were participating in wickedness General evil, evil of a dark, dark, dark sort. He is very clear that one of the things that brought on the judgment of the ark was the wickedness of man. Not only the wickedness of man, but he says, and that every intent or thought, or imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It actually reads like this more literally in the Hebrew, that every thought of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You grasp what he's trying to say here. Not only, this describes, this is a description of the noun of the type of people. An adjective describes a noun. This is the type of people in that day. They acted upon their evil because their only thoughts were thoughts of evil, not of good. There's no light in them, kind of like the day that we're living in. And the Bible says that evil shall grow worse and worse, wax worse and worse. So that's the first part. Number one, they were wicked. Number two, they only thought about wickedness and evil. That's all they thought about. And then let's go back to Matthew chapter 24 so you can see the entirety of the picture. Verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so will also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 38, For as in the days before 
the flood. Marking time. Jesus goes back to what happened before the flood. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Notice this. Until. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, if you think about this, think about this. Noah has been called by God to build an ark. It had never rained. He's building a boat in a desert, and it had never rained from the sky. The water came up from the midst of the earth. These people are wicked people. They only have thoughts of doing wickedness. And they're just enjoying their lives. They're not thinking about judgment. They're not thinking about accountability to God. They're not thinking about anything other than they're eating, they're drinking, and marrying and giving, giving in marriage. One big party. One big celebration. That's all they're thinking about until. Could you imagine being out there in the desert laughing at Noah? Man, Noah. He's got to be off his rocker. And then all of a sudden, he loads all the animals, he gets in the ark, and the Lord shuts the door, and the rain begins to come down. They've never seen rain. I wonder what they were thinking when the water got up to about right here. No, it wasn't so crazy after all, was he? As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's why my son's name Noah. That's my prayer. Not that he'll be a good, a good kid. He'll find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now listen, this is important. Because until that day, nobody cared about judgment. Nobody cared about God. Nobody cared about anything. Notice in verse 39. And they did not know until... There's that word again, until the flood came, now notice this, and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. They had no idea until they were swept away in judgment. At the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be those who are swept away into judgment because they rejected Jesus Christ. Just like they rejected the preaching of the Spirit of Christ through Noah in his day. Was it not just eight that were saved by the flood? Eight souls. Now, verse 40 has often been misquoted. There's a song, a gospel song. I don't even remember the gospel song. And it talks about two women, or two, excuse me, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. In that song, they, 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 they apply this to the rapture. Remember, this is not talking about the rapture. It's talking about the second coming of Christ. The one that's taken is taken for judgment. How do I know that? Because just in the previous verse, he said, the ones taken by the flood were taken for judgment. At the second coming of Christ, those, when he says there's two men in the field, one will be taken and the other left, the one that's taken is taken for eternal judgment. 
Not the rapture. This is not a rapture passage. I don't care what the Southern Gospel song says. I'm telling you what the Bible says. He says, two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken and the other one left. What happens after the second coming of Christ? The millennial kingdom. Who's left? Those who will enter into the kingdom. The one that's taken is taken for judgment. And I know that there are many people who interpret this as the rapture, but the way I understand it, why would he refer to the judgment of them being taken away in the previous verse alluding to Noah and then change the total context in this verse? He wouldn't. Jesus is very careful at everything he says because he's never said anything wrong. And so here's the point. Look at verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. In this should be a warning for everyone of all ages, not just a Jew, not just the second coming of Christ. I could stand here and say, watch therefore because you don't know when you're going to die. Watch therefore because you don't know when the rapture is going to happen. It's a command, and this is one of the first applications of this, this portion of the text for us to understand that we as believers ought to be looking for Christ. If we're watching and looking for Him, then we will live in a way that we will not be ashamed when we see Him. I promise you, the older I get, the more I realize I do not fit in this world and it has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with what's right and what's wrong. And if you and I put our head in the sand and think that this is not a time when we are moving towards the end, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. The amount of people and on these Ivy League schools and these college campuses who are protesting Israel, I've often wondered how in the world is every nation going to come against Israel? Just watch the news. It's happening in the United States of America. In Oakland, California, they had a teacher teach-in in which they were going to teach the students that the Palestinians were correct and Israel was wrong because Israel has killed people in retaliation and they're not mentioning anything about... And this is not political. This is, the, this is truth. They're not mentioning anything about Hamas raping, putting babies in ovens, killing babies, and killing people who were unarmed, not doing anything. Going in their houses and killing them. And taking all those hostages. So we see that this world is going towards the direction of evil. Some years ago, I think it may have been President Obama, one of the presidents said, we are not a Christian nation. The United States of America is not a Christian nation. Everybody was all offended. But the fact of the matter is, that that's the truth. We're not. And, and I love the United States of America. I serve my country. Many of you served your country and you do it again. And we love our country. But the United States of America is not heaven. And my point is this. As we go towards that day, rather 
Rather than ignoring it, we need to watch therefore. We need to keep our eyes on things above. If we keep our eyes on things above, we're not going to be picking on everybody else around us. Watch therefore. Because we don't know when the Lord is coming. Look at verse 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Well, that's simple. If, if you announce, if you were a thief and you were going to rob someone and you announce, hey, I'm going to beat your house at 9 o'clock, the owner of the house is going to be there ready to defend his home. But the thief didn't announce. Look at verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. See, the people of Israel, the disciples whom Jesus is speaking to, they were so kingdom-minded, not God's kingdom, but Israel being the royal kingdom, they couldn't see anything else. They're standing with God in the flesh, bragging about the temple when the God of all glory is standing with them. They're not ready. They're not ready because they're not looking for Him. They're not focused on Him. Verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Jesus begins to use these different illustrations. And the one thing I learned after studying the Gospels, Jesus wasn't always speaking to everyone who was hearing. Many a times, the people hearing Jesus wouldn't understand what he was saying. Like, where'd that come from? And he says, This is a, this, listen, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? He has a job to do while he's gone. Verse 46 Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find. Him so doing. Another passage of Scripture says, the Lord Jesus said, Occupy until I come. Church, here's the point. This is the second point of application. Even though He's speaking to them, there's an application for us. What do we do while we wait for Jesus to come? We do what He told us to do. What is that? To serve, to feed. To take care of his household. And what has happened, I've noticed it in my life. And I'm praying that God would help me. I used to be a far better witness personally than I am now. I used to witness to people more than I do now. I used to share the gospel with a lot of people. That's why he left us here. 
As a matter of fact, we are told in the Bible the reason that he hasn't come back, it's not because he's slack concerning his promise. He's not lazy. He's not disregard his coming. The whole point of his not coming back yet is that he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The whole point is that Jesus is teaching them we are to be watching for the Lord, and while we're watching for the Lord, we're to be busy about His work. Now, we do a lot of things in the church under the auspices of getting people in. But I think in this day that we live, we have uh, over-entertained people. You hear conversations in churches. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he recently took the role in another area of a worship leader in a church. And he was telling me, he's like, <clears throat> you know, I, 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 the church choir's growing. We're doing great. You know, people are having a good time. But there's this one fella in Sunday school calls me out. We need to be singing all them old songs. Them new songs are not good songs. They're not, you know. Listen, let me tell you something. Songs are not sanctified by God. There are songs that you have heard and you have loved and you have sung and you thought they were anointed of God and come to find out the man who wrote it left his wife and is in an adulterous homosexual affair now and has come out of the closet as gay. And, and everybody's like, well, you know, well, how, I mean, you're mad because it's a contemporary song and over here. But you don't see, you don't supply the same standard to what we like. That proves we don't understand what's going on. If we're really focused on Jesus, I've been thinking about this in my life. 90% of my reactions in my life, maybe not 90, but maybe 95 many times are probably fleshly reactions and not what Jesus would do. I'm really thinking about this. I don't know why, but I've been thinking an awful lot about this. and um, I've been listening. My eyes get tired when I read. I've been listening a lot to the Bible on, on audio. And I'll stop because I'm used to reading things and just reading them and getting through it. And I have to stop sometimes and listen to what the Word's being said. And I find all throughout the Old Testament, I'm in Ezekiel, and I preach through Ezekiel, and I'm reading through Ezekiel, we're listening through Ezekiel, and I'm listening to the exact specifications of the clothes of the priest and the room sizes for the temple that's going to be rebuilt and the exact size of the altar. Everything is down to exact, exact measurements. And God is telling the people, listen to me. And all of our lives, we say we love Jesus, but our eyes are not focused on Jesus, and it's revealed in our reactions. Well, I don't like this, I don't like that. It's not about you, it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And when someone's singing a song, whether it be whatever, 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 if it's not against the Scripture and it's glorifying the Father, our attention should not be on the artist, our attention should not be on uh, the song itself, it should be on the Savior. And that's hard. That is hard. And we all battle with it. But the point I want to, to make in all of this is 
that we as believers need to keep our eyes on Christ and we need to keep our service and our, our, um, our witness active. Our worship active. Because that's the point. The point is not about trying to figure out when He comes. The point is to be ready when He comes. And so we have to really surrender. I'm using this word in my life. Surrender, 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 surrender. Because it's not natural to surrender. We want to do our own thing. And the whole point of this is blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. What? Watching? Serving? That's it. Verse 47. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. This is a, a forgotten spiritual principle. Jesus mentions it here, but he mentions it in other ways, in other places. You've been ruler over a little, I'll make you ruler over much. The spiritual principle is, if you will do faithfully what God has given you to do in the small things, he will give you greater things to do. But here is the issue. The issue is, if you will not do faithfully with the small things... Why would he give you the big things? He's not a respecter of person. He doesn't care about your last name. He doesn't care about your... He knows you, your pedigree, your, your intellect, all that. The point I want to make is this. He's telling the disciples who want to know when he's coming. We want to know, Lord, so we, 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 and, they, and it's like we are. Well, we want to know so we can be ready. No, he says, you be ready. You don't need to know to be ready. You need to be ready. And I know my flesh, and I know your flesh, and everyone else's flesh. If we knew the exact day, we'd live like we wanted to, and in the last week, we'd get right and get everything in order. That's why... When we go on a trip, I don't pack until the night before we leave. I went camping one time. <coughs> that green boat got all the way over, got everything set up, went in to change clothes, and guess what? My suitcase was at the house. So guess who made a trip back to the house? I did. Why? Because I waited to the last minute. That's human nature. It's human nature. That's why when you go to the courthouse, the day that the property taxes are due, there's a line. Because nobody wants to pay taxes early. Can I have an amen? Nobody wants to pay taxes at all. But he is saying this, listen, your perspective is all wrong. What we need to be focused on is watching for him. We need to be focused on being a faithful servant, doing the job He left us to do, telling others about Christ, and along the way He is going to reward us with greater responsibility. And in the kingdom we'll have greater responsibility. I told this before, I, I, I'm thankful. Um, one of my dad's 
And uh, Leslie's former pastor, Bob Barber, had a profound impact on my life. I love Bob Barber. He's in heaven now. He's a great guy. He was one whom uh, I developed a relationship with. Him. He kind of mentored. And, and he took my dad and me, and we, we all went together. He didn't take us. We went. But he was the one that led us to go to Dallas Seminary for a conference. And I was exposed to some teaching on rewards and things I had never really... I had had little bits and pieces, but I never really in-depth studied rewards. And a lot of people think that, literally think that when you go to heaven, heaven's going to be everything you ever wanted. And, and you're just going to be up there floating on clouds, eating grapes, playing on harps and, you know, whatever. There. And enough of this stuff, this is the lazy cop-out answer. Well, if I get to heaven, that's good enough. That won't be good enough when you get to heaven. That will not be good enough. It's a cop-out excuse down here. Verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, some people think that only time people ever weep and gnash of teeth will be literally in hell. But there will be some people who are saved, but they're outside the kingdom. In other words, in the outer darkness. The outer darkness is not hell. The outer darkness the Bible speaks of, out of the light of the throne of the kingdom, and they will be, I should have, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why did I waste my life? That's gnashing teeth. That's the gnashing of teeth. And church... The whole point of this passage is Jesus is saying, I'm not telling you when I'm coming. I'm telling you what you should be doing until I come. Just like in the days of Noah, our earth and our world is thinking only of evil. They're eating and drinking and being merry. Let me tell you something. There are more people in the state of Ohio, in the churches, in Baptist churches, that are more upset over the state of the Buckeyes than they are the state of their friends and loved ones that's dying and going to hell. And we wonder what in the world's wrong with our churches and our people. Churches across the land are so full of narcissistic people. If I don't get my way, I'm going to leave. I'm going to Quit and, you know, I'll show you. You're not showing anybody anything. If you quit on what God calls you to do and you let some uh, mouthy person run you off from doing what God called you to do, that's your fault. You'll be accountable to God. Not them, you. They'll be accountable for what they've done, but you'll be accountable for not doing what God's called you to do. So this is the point of the passage. These are the, like the days of Noah, even in the church. And I know it's toward the second coming of Christ, but there's a, a spiritual application here. And the application is this. You don't need to know when he's coming back. You just need to concern yourself with doing what he told you to do. Watch for him because as I showed you last week, the sign of the second coming is the second coming. The Lord. 
When every eye sees him, that's the sign. No one knows that hour nor that day. And it's foolish to sit and try to figure that out. And he says there's two kinds of people. There are those who will say, okay, I've heard this. I'm focusing on Christ. I'm going to do what he's called me to do. And I'm going to remain faithful and watch for him. And there are those who say, he ain't coming. I'm going to do what I want to do and I'll get it right before I go to heaven. And there are people that will do that. The question is, what person do you want to be? Well, preacher, so-and-so hurt my feelings. So what? Does it really matter? Does it really matter? Well, someone said, I I, I was fat and ugly. Who cares what they think? Eat another oatmeal cake. I love them. It doesn't matter. We, We kill ourselves trying to make other people like us. Girls in high school and junior high look in the mirror and they can't stand what they can't see their beauty because they listen to what other people think and say. And it's stupid. It's stupid. If you just look at your family tree and you look at your parents, you're going to be that. You can go to Jenny Craig and all that you want to, that's what you're going to be. You'll go up and down like this and you'll hate life and you'll be miserable and we put more emphasis on that than we do on. Christ. What we need is the joy of the Lord. And that only comes when we're ready. When you lay your head down tonight because you are ready and you have peace and you go to sleep. And if you don't wake up, you wake up in glory. And it'll far be better than anything ever here on this earth. And none of us wants to go tomorrow. I get it. But the point of this passage is this. These days are like the days of Noah. There's evil and wickedness. And every thought is about wickedness. And everybody's eating and drinking and marrying and just going on and not thinking about spiritual things. So tell us when you're going to come so that we can be ready. No, you be ready Because you don't know when I'm coming. And the question is, when I come, are you going to be found faithful? That's the question. And so, as we go back through this quickly, let me just say this. No one knows the hour nor the day. I know he's talking about the second coming. He's not talking about the rapture. The one that's taken... It's taken away to judgment at the second coming of Christ. Now, at the rapture that happens before the second coming of Christ, we're going to be out of here. So it stands to reason if the rapture happens before the second coming of Christ, that means we're first. We go before they go. We go before He comes back to the earth. He's going to call us out of here. So we should be ready to go. It reminds me of the woman and man. They were a wealthy couple. And he was quite a cantankerous old feller, and he didn't want anybody to have all of his money. He left his wife enough that he thought would get her through, and he said, now I want you to take the rest and put it in the suitcase and put it in the attic, and when I die and go on my way to heaven, I'm going to swing by and get it on the way up. It took her two years before she could muster up the courage to go up in the attic and look and see if it was up there. 
She walked up into the attic and she saw the suitcase still sitting there. And she said, oh, I should have put it in the basement. No, I'm just kidding. The point I want to make is this. The point I want to make is this. We're not the disciples. We're not there. And I know this is dealing with the second coming of Christ. But the spiritual application to us is these are the same kind of days and we want to know the same question. Lord, when are you going to come back? It's evil and deliver us from all this evil. We're just like them. And he's saying you don't need to know that. Here's the point. What we need to do is watch for him. Be ready. And be busy doing his work. He will take care of the rest. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thought? That when the rapture happened, you were right in the middle of sharing the gospel with someone. Wouldn't that be spectacular? I mean, wouldn't that be phenomenal? That'd be awesome. I hope he waited until that person received him and they went. we went up together. We've got to be ready, guys. And I think it's time that we, we get ready. Enough with the entertainment-driven church. Jesus Christ is enough. He's enough to come and worship and sing about. When our praise team practices and puts their effort, He's enough. He's enough for us to sing about. And all we need to know, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be busy. And you'll be A-OK. Father, we love you.